Someone to talk to. Hey, baby, won't you talk to me? If you need someone to listen, you know you can always count on me. I can keep a secret. You can tell me what you want. Whisper what you're thinking. I'm never gonna talk. Cause I know that loose lips, they sink ships, and I wanna stay afloat. Not is ever broken everybody, this is Richard Sachs. I'm your host on Lost Arts Radio. Thanks for coming back and being with us again. Uh, we have a return of a guest that I really enjoyed last time, J.B. Williams, who is um, the guy that has North American Law Center, and they do a lot of really interesting work. We'll get a couple of minutes to recap that for people that haven't heard him before. And I had wanted to have J.B. on originally, because he's a great writer and he writes for News with Views and a lot of other places. And News with Views is sending me their um, new emails every day. And he was on there and it was one of the most amazing uh, commentary analysis pieces on what happened with the fake election and things like that. So I wanted to, and he, and he writes on a lot of other connected topics since everything's connected actually. And I wanted to have, see if he'd be willing to come back and talk about something that he had in a recent article as a subject, which is what happens if these audits are allowed to go through and they show that, um, you know, the real result was the opposite of what was reported. I don't think that has happened before. There isn't a precedent and it doesn't address the exact protocol in the constitution. And there are questions about it that a lot of writers have been looking at and I thought it'd be worth our, our discussing that and see where it goes, uh, because we're about to witness it in real life. So welcome, JB. I appreciate your being here, and uh, this should be interesting. It's always a pleasure, Richard. Thanks for having me. Sure. So for people that don't know about you and didn't hear our last show, uh, why don't you give people a little idea of what North American Law Center is and how that fits in with the other work that you're doing? Sure. North American Law Center, uh, the acronym, of course, is the North American Law Center, or TNALC.org. It's a um, private um, nonprofit that basically focuses and has always focused on um, helping to restore, protect, and defend the natural rights of all citizens and and human beings, even, you know, at that. Right. And... um, you know, and the greatest threat to our natural rights, the those that were endowed by our creator here in the United States, greatest threat to that is our own government. Um, and it's been that way pretty much, in my opinion, since the beginning of time. And it's only gotten worse over time. And uh, so we focus on a lot of different things. We have we have dealt with um, we're not a law firm. I want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not an attorney or a lawyer. 
although I can probably pass the bar better than most after mm. a lot of years working in this realm. Right. Um, we do actually spend a lot of time teaching uh, both state and federal legislators uh, how to connect what they're doing legislatively to constitutional text, uh, which is something most of them don't know. And a lot of times we're fighting trained lawyers in that effort um, because they um, most in most cases, even a lot of constitutional attorneys don't have a very strong connection to the Constitution or Bill of Rights or Declaration uh, and the whole concept of natural law or constitutional law. They very much operate under what is uh, essentially British common law, which is the law of commons as made up by the courts. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, it's always an uphill battle, whether we're dealing with a military case or uh, UCMJ case, or whether we're dealing with a uh, civilian case, be it constitutional law, or even in a few cases, we've engaged in some criminal cases just because there was a, a wrongful uh, arrest and prosecution involved. Um, and so we've dealt with a lot of different things over the 10 or 11 years we've been around now. And um, so that's just kind of the background on it, but it's a citizen uh, uh, run uh, and citizen funded by donation only organization. And um, we do not request or accept uh, funding from the federal government of any kind. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones that are 501s, uh, they have to agree to let the federal government control what they can or cannot do in order to have those exemptions. So we're not agreeable to let the government control what we work on or how we work on it. And so we don't ask for, receive, or uh, either funding from the federal government or 501 uh, status. So that, that's the long and short of it. So you say you're not nonprofit, but not 501c3, right? That's correct. Kind of like a ministry that um, can be a nonprofit organization okay. um, without having to be a 501. Now, again, a lot of today's lawyers think that even churches have to have a 501. But actually, that's partly what hamstrings churches from being able to speak truth at the pulpit is that 501. Right. So, I, th I think the law says something like uh, churches of any kind actually don't have to file for any kind of exemption. They just that have is it, correct. They have that's it correct. Right. Yeah, that's correct. So it's kind of a constitutionally grounded ministry, if you will. Right, right, right. Okay. And uh, people hire you, but they don't hire you to be their lawyer. They hire you as, would you say, a consultant? Is that accurate? Yes, that would be accurate. Uh, we hire as a consultant. Uh, we consult on cases. We consult on uh, legislation. We consult, you know, uh, a lot of times when there's a constitutional conflict like we see a lot of now today. Uh, and we do that both at the state and federal level. And we've worked at one point or another and probably in all 50 states. So is that what you're talking about when you say you work with uh, representatives at different levels and you want to connect what they're doing to the Constitution? That, does that mean make it constitutionally valid? That's that correct. Okay. That's correct. And uh, we have a lot of that going on right now, actually, in the country because of what happened in the election last year and a lot of states rushing to pass laws to prevent it in the future. But a lot of times... You know, if they don't have a strong understanding and connection to the Constitution itself and the Bill of Rights and what they actually say and what they actually mean, the legislation that they put together um, is often itself unconstitutional. 
Um, and so mm-hmm. we, we end up being contacted to clean that up before they go any further. If it, it happens to be a, a representative or uh, a senator somewhere that is concerned with being constitutional. Right. I, I mean, what it seems like is most of what they pass is unconstitutional in some way, and they usually don't care. Well, you've got two things there, um, in our, in my opinion. One is a lot of people don't flat out don't care whether it's constitutional or not. They don't care about the Constitution or Bill of Rights at all. Uh, they don't like the idea of natural law and natural rights. They don't like the idea right. that they're restrained in their power by these things. But then you got this other group that they just don't know. Um, right. And, right. you know, and you and I spoke privately a couple of days ago and, and a lot of our conversation was based on this sea of deception that all of us were born into, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's gone on for thousands of years. So, you know, there's the person who just doesn't know any better uh, a lot of the time. And then there's other ones who know better but don't care. Uh, for people that don't know, um, why don't you tell people what natural rights are? Because you're talking about that a lot. I do talk about that a lot. Um I'll talk about natural law first. Natural rights are derived by a natural law. Okay. And anybody who doubts this, no matter what their personal religious or non-religious beliefs are, is irrelevant actually to this topic. Because if you go to the first preamble paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, in the Declaration, it states clearly (laughs) that we are making this declaration as an independent sovereign nation on behalf of the people on the basis of the laws of nature and of nature's God. Mm-hmm. Now, when they say nature, nature's God, they're talking about the creator of nature. Uh, yeah. When they said that they right. weren't specific to say Jesus or Muhammad or whoever, they're just saying the creator of all things. Right. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that is the beginning of what later carried over into the constitution, that concept and later carried from there over to the bill of rights. And it was supposed to carry on for all posterity after that, but it didn't take very long for um, law professionals to begin to alter that, to empower people in the legal profession. And Mm -hmm. so our natural rights are spoken about in there as well, beginning with the fundamentals of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Those are inalienable. I am not UN, by the way, there are, there, there is a significant difference. It's not synonymous terms. They're similar, but not the same. And those rights are inalienable because they don't come from men. They come from our creator as endowed by our creator. Now people are free to interpret what the word creator means or what the word God means. But the one thing, whether you believe any such thing even exists or not, the one thing that is clear is our rights do not come from man. Mm-hmm. Right. Nor can they be alienated by man. That's what that's what inalienable means is it's beyond the authority of any man. Yeah. And so yeah. our rights uh, extend from there. OK, so it, it was kind of interesting. I've heard people use inalienable and unalienable interchangeably. What, what's the correct difference between those two terms? Well, let me say, anytime you're studying a document or researching <clears throat> a document, you have to use the meaning of the term at the <clears throat> time the document was put in place. 
Yeah. Because terms are changed over time, too. Mm-hmm. 245 years ago, general welfare in the Constitution didn't mean free Obama thumbs. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So and now people think it does. And so, or food stamps or any number of other social programs, it simply meant that whatever they were doing, it had to, it had to benefit the general public at large without showing any partiality to one group or another. That's what the general welfare clause actually was intended to mean. Right. So I point that out, uh, to lay a foundation for how I'm going to answer your question, the difference between inalienable and unalienable. The first English dictionary for the United States was in 1828 by Noah Webster, who happened to be a founding father as well. So you have to go back. That's the closest dictionary, English dictionary, American dictionary to 17, you know, 76 through 87 and 89 uh, when the bill of rights was drafted. Mm -hmm. and adopted the closest we have is the 1828 noah webster dictionary and if you go back to original text there online it sometimes has been changed again Um, but if you go to the original text in those books in unalienable meant simply cannot be alienated and they give uh examples completely unrelated to governmental authority Something that, okay. can't, something that can't be nullified, in other words. Something that cannot be alienated, cannot be um, obstructed away. or taken away, okay? okay. okay. Or, even, or even infringed or reduced. But okay. it, that applies to things that may not even be related to governmental authority at all. Yeah. Inalienable includes the definition of unalienable and then extended to specifically state beyond any governmental authority or legislative or judicial or any other. Okay. Okay. So inalienable means same thing that unalienable does, but then extends beyond that. And Webster's original text, it extends beyond that to state that it's beyond the authority of mankind, any governmental body. Okay. Much more specific and, and relevant to what yes. we're talking about. All right. You also mentioned that the biggest uh, danger to accessing natural rights at this point is government, but that is really evolving to maybe it still is government, but government acting largely through the proxy of corporations that are not constrained by the Constitution officially, right? That's a particularly interesting question for this reason. Um. And again, this is things that have not been taught well in American schools for quite a long time now. So we have generations, two, three generations that really don't understand much of anything about this. So, uh, again, I'll say that the, the Constitution itself, if you've ever heard somebody say we have constitutional rights. No, we don't. The Constitution is not written to give us rights. We right. the people rights. Or they'll say constitutionally protected rights. Well, in a way, that's kind of true, but it's only true to the degree that the Constitution is actually assigning certain powers and authority to our federal government in a very limited and restricted fashion. And by doing so, that protects the natural rights of the people as long as that's adhered to. The Bill of Rights is often thought of 
today by many Americans as a enumeration of our rights as citizens. It is absolutely 180 degrees the opposite of that. Yeah. It is an extension of the Constitution and a specific enumeration of things that the federal government is specifically prohibited from touching at all. Um, and again, there's a lot of history from those time frames as to why we know what I'm telling you to be true. Anybody who will research it will easily and quickly arrive at the same conclusion. Yeah. Um, the issue of, of what are the what's the full range of rights, the 10th Amendment almost gets there. But the reason it doesn't by by saying that everything else non enumerated to the federal government belongs to. The people accepted also said, well, except it might also go to the states and it doesn't differentiate which is which. So, well, it, it kind of does in that it uses the term respectively. So there are certain um, duties that are state level duties. There are certain duties that the people have assigned to their counties. There are certain duties that the people have assigned to their local mayor or their local city councils, um, as well as duties that were assigned to the federal government um, on behalf of the general welfare of the population as a whole and all members of the union. So it's kind of does indicate that. And I always encourage people, if they're going to talk and, and research the 10th amendment, they can't do it really without researching the ninth as well. To fully understand the 10th, you have to also understand the ninth. So how do they tie together? I mean, briefly. Well, the ninth, uh, essentially establishes without any doubt that the majority of rights, in fact, so many that you could never attempt to even enumerate them, um, that the fundamental rights of every person or every legal citizen in this country belongs to the people themselves um, in the ninth. And the tenth refers to what belongs to either the people in accordance with the ninth or to the states as the people have assigned it to the states. So they're kind of assuming Im- the impl- implied understanding that any level of government has to have enumerated powers and doesn't have any others. That's correct. Any, any powers or authority or duties that were not specifically assigned by the people to a body of government, whether it's local or federal or in between, oh, right. anything that's not specifically assigned is not a power that they possess. Okay, so the problem with that... Um, comes when when laws are made that assign more and more powers to different levels of government, right? And well, you could, you could say that they they can't do that unless they're first of all enumerated in the re- respective constitution. And that and that is absolutely true. Two hundred forty five years ago, and is still true today. What's different, and what our real problem is is how few Americans have ever even read those documents, much less properly understood what they're saying and yeah. what they're intended to do. You know, back to your, your question related to corporations versus the government. Mm-hmm. Well, the Constitution doesn't assign any authority at all on anything to a corporation or to a company or to a business somewhere. It assigns authority to, it's only written for the sole purpose of assigning certain things to the government or in the case of Bill of Rights, restricting the government from engaging in those particular subject matters or particular items or particular offenses such as, you know, illegal search and seizure. That doesn't say that the people have a right to not be searched and seized illegally. It says government can't do it. 
Yeah, it doesn't say a corporation can't do it, though. It doesn't because the Bill of Rights is not written for corporations and it's not written for anybody but the federal government. Right. It actually doesn't even apply to the state authority, actually. It applies to the federal government's authority. Those are both federal constitution and Bill of Rights. And while we can say that they have supremacy, they only have supremacy in the areas assigned to the federal government. Anything yeah. that was not assigned is not only, not only does it not have supremacy over the states or the local or the people, it has no force of law behind it at all. Right, exactly. So some of the things that are dangers to natural law are covered in the Constitution, but basically there's no provision to stop private corporations from usurping the same rights, right? At least not a Constitution that deals with that. Well, there's not a Constitution that deals with that. Now, we do have some laws that deal with some of that. Um, And, you know, there is such a thing as proper, appropriate, and good corporate behavior and the opposite of that. And we have some laws on the books that are supposed to deal with that. Um, but no, there is no corporate constitution <laughs> or bill of rights. And, that and so even, to- and I'll give you an example, an easy example that people can relate to right now. Everybody keeps talking about Facebook or Twitter and our first amendment right to free yeah. speech. Yeah. Well, that, those things in the constitution bill of rights, all they do is prevent the federal government from infringing upon that right. Yeah. Those, exactly. those documents don't apply to anybody other than the federal government. And so. Now, the states have passed similar things in their state constitutions. Uh, and, of course, the, the federal was originally drafted in a pattern after state constitutions. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it was in compliance with what was already going on in at least most, if not all, of the original 13 colonies. So um, to the degree that, you know, people understand, and, and I just did a, a extensive piece on this subject in general, talking about natural law versus man's law. Natural law, and in explaining there, that natural law protects the atheist as much as it does the Christian or the Muslim or the Jew or mm-hmm. the Hindu or anybody else. Right. It's because it is blind to that. It's blind to those things. And an example I often use in in. Uh, interviews is I use the natural law of gravity. The thing about the reason why they're inalienable is because you can try to change them all you want to, but you can't actually change them. And gravity is a perfect example of that. We can come up with technologies over time that allow us to uh, escape the effects of gravity, but only temporarily. Sooner or later, what goes up will come down. You cannot actually legislate away gravity. And nor can you legislate away the right to life or the right to pursue happiness on your own or the right to uh, liberty, individual liberty. You can't legislate any of that away. You can pass amendments and laws that attempt to do that, but in the end, they will not be in effect. Right. And the question is when the end is, because for a while, a lot of those things are passed and treated as if they were legitimate laws, right? Because the the majority of Americans today don't understand even the most basic things about what we're talking about here. They don't understand that if they, if they were adherents to the laws of nature and God's law, they would only have to adhere to the 10 laws God laid down. 
which are very simple, very fundamental, very logical. I don't think anybody, even the atheists, would disagree with any of the ten as they were originally written. But if you don't agree to live under those laws, well, now you will live under man's laws, and there will be millions of those. And those laws will not be written to suit you or me. They will be written to suit our rulers. So the idea of the Constitution was kind of an idealistic attempt to hold the government within reasonable limits of protecting people's individual rights, basically. And that's, defend, the only reason they, yeah, that's the only reason they exist. Yes, defend, including defending the borders of the country and stuff like that. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's actually the first and foremost um, reason for a federal government is to provide for the common defense. Well, right. if we don't have borders, we don't have a country. So if you no, don't protect right. the borders, there's no way to uh, for the government, if they won't do that, then they cannot protect liberty, life, the pursuit of happiness, or anything else. Yeah, I think I think what we've seen is a demonstration that no matter how good your constitution is, you have to have some sense of ethics and character and morality in the population, or you might get a situation where uh, evil intent infiltrates all the levels of power. And that's Hence kind of, the reason why our founders said we must be forever vigilant. Yeah. And didn't one of them say it only works for what they called an educated public? Something like that. Actually, the term they used was a moral society. Oh, okay. So, you know, education can mean a lot of different mm-hmm. things today, including indoctrination. In yeah. fact, most often it means indoctrination, not education today. So and the so, moral society is more. So, it's the, so it's the moral issue. In other words, the fundamental ability to know right from wrong. Yeah, exactly. Which you don't have to even have ever read a book to know that if you're conscious. Correct. So the problem is the consciousness level of the public has allowed what we have now to happen. That, and that's correct. And in my estimation and in the, the recent um, piece I wrote on this topic, I point blank say, and I have said in other columns many times over the years, um, that what we have going on in politics is not our problem. That is a massive uh, symptom of a much greater problem, much more Mm. difficult to solve. And that is the immoral, unethical, uh, and sleeping nature of our society. Yeah, yeah. And right now, that's being taken advantage of as fast as possible and it's it's more coordinated than almost anybody realizes absolutely true right so the only reason to in my opinion to even study or find out about any of this stuff is not to memorize a bunch of interesting academic facts but to help you come up with a solution before the country is destroyed which there'd be no other there'd be no other purpose to knowing mm-hmm. um you know there are people like myself and i think like yourself from the time we've spent together there are people that for whatever reason um are you know i must know people <laughs> there there are people that are much more comfortable knowing something bad than not knowing at all um, and, and I'm certainly one of those people. And, and from the time we've spent together, um, you know, off the record, 
I think uh-huh. you're obviously one of those people. I'd rather right. know the bad news so I can do something with it than to not know what's coming. But yeah. a, a lot of people are not that way. A lot of people would rather not know. Um, I, I think it's it's fear, isn't it? Because what if it, you, it's a, it, what if it's you find out something fear. that's too scary to deal with or something like that? Well, and I had this conversation actually this morning in a conference call, and I was asked a similar question. So I'll answer it similarly. And fear, it's not money. It's not greed. It's not really even power so much that is the greatest motivator of the average person on earth, the average human being. Fear is the greatest motivator. Mm-hmm. People will do things out of fear that they would never do for any other reason. Um, and we see it you know, play out all day, every day, if we're paying attention. Um, and so, but the difference is this, for some fear will cause paralysis and for others, fear will cause action. And I'm one of those people that it causes action. Um, but I know a lot of people that it causes paralysis. And, there are some uh, people it causes a desire to destruct themselves as well. Absolutely correct. I've and, had uh, people tell me, well, if things are that bad, I should just kill myself, you know? Right. Absolutely. I've heard the same thing. And I said, well, I suppose, you know, if you believe everything is futile, um, <laughs> it'd be hard for me to argue with you about that, that solution you've come up with. But I don't happen to believe everything is futile at all. I well, believe, we're, I believe you know, we're active participants of what happens next. You know, even if it was futile, um, I don't see any advantage to killing yourself, actually. You know, because the, the last experience that you have to look back on in this present lifetime would be one of courage instead of, you know, just giving up. It has a different feel to it. Well, I would agree with that, and certainly it's not something I would ever contemplate myself. And um, you know, I've been asked many times over the years why I've done a lot of the things I've done in my life. And, um, and I said, I can only answer that question this way. One is I feel like whatever it is I, I know, I'm obligated to do something about. Yeah. And the, and the other right. is... Um, when it comes to my family and my children or my God, for that matter, I want to be able to say, I, no matter the outcome, I've done everything I could possibly do um, right. to, to do the right thing. Well, and it doesn't mean that you did that for your entire life because a lot of people live a certain portion of their life making a lot of mistakes, you know, most of us. Yeah, yeah but, not me. I've been perfect the whole time. Except for you, but most of the other people. <laughs> yeah, um, all the normal people, right? Yeah, all the regular human people. All the regulars, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But But with any point that you say, yeah, I mean, I was wrong about all that stuff and sorry, but now I'll do better. I mean, you can start it from there and still feel good about how it ends up. Well, you know, none of us know what we don't know. Right. So every day we do the best we can with what we know. But when we do know, uh, then we're obligated to use that information appropriately, which means if we were wrong yesterday, based on what we learned today, we have an obligation to acknowledge that and adjust what we're doing. 
Yeah, um, exactly. You know, I, I did a radio interview many years ago now. And I, I mean, the opening question when I got on the radio interview was, well, let me just say you've got a reputation for being a my way or the highway sort of guy. Is that true? And I said, well, no, that's entirely unfair. That's not true. It's, it's not even fair to say that about me. And he said, well, what, how would you describe it? I said, I describe it more like on the bus or under the bus. <laughs> and, and he said, started laughing. And he said, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? I said, yes, but a much more extreme version of it. <laughs> that's great. And he says, um, the highway says, is, by the way, under the bus usually. Yeah, usually. And, um, and so, uh, we had a chuckle about that and he said, well, you know, that presumes that you're always right. Are you always right? And I said, absolutely. I'm always right. And he, he started laughing again. He said, are you serious? I, I said, I'm absolutely dead serious. He says, well, can you explain that? And I said, sure. Every time I'm wrong, I fix it. Okay. In the end, I will be right every time. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. Cause I mean, it's the best you can do. And, I don't know any way to avoid making mistakes, but you can respond to them in a good way. All I can say is if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. Right. Well, if you wanted to look at the situation now, you know, you talked a little bit about the ethics and morals in the Constitution and what they were trying to accomplish in the Bill of Rights and the idea that all the rights not enumerated to some, delegated to some power, still belong to the people. And this is true according to the founders in every country, not just America. It's just that they wrote it down in America and they were supposed to live up to it. So right. from from when that was done to now, what do you think happened? I mean, I think that people started undermining the Constitution and Bill of Rights before the ink was even dry on those documents. Right. Um, I think it's human uh, condition. I don't think uh, people are necessarily inherently good i think doing the wrong thing comes more natural for most people than doing the right thing um it often on the front end looks like an easier road to hoe on the back end of course it doesn't look that way no but they initially feel like they're getting rewarded yes and and then they get threatened if they consider stopping that's correct and so i think um and of course, you got to kind of look at different. Every every person is not the same, and every job is not the same either. But I think politics, in particular, and to some degree, um, huge international corporations and uber wealthy people, I think they are inherently. I think those things inherently attract the wrong people, the wrong kinds of people. Yeah. Well, there's there's also some evidence that some of these really powerful secret societies put people into privileged positions. Absolutely true. That's power awesome. and money, right? It's not it's not that they made the money first and then they got attracted by evil. They were told sign on to evil and we'll give you a lot. And that happens a lot. It also happens the other way which people forget about. You'll find somebody, you know, that's running for a political office for the first time in their lives and they, uh-huh. and they say all the right things and they might mean them all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the minute that they're elected, the game is explained to them how this actually works. Uh, and a, one of the things people also have a lot of trouble with right now in our country is understanding that politics in particular is a team sport. Nobody can do anything by themselves, not even a president. Right. 
And, and so it's a team sport. If you're not part of a winning team, you're not even in the game. If you're, you know, and so this idea, when people, I've heard this said way too many times in the last several years, from well-intended people, people who have great hearts and great uh, intentions, but I've heard it said way too many times, well, there's nothing I can do. What am I, what can I, can, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. Well, alone, there's nothing any of us can do. We have no choice but to work with others to make things move. And that's step number one is aligning yourself with people that are of like mind, that have a similar set of goals, that are, are working together in unison uh, with some reasonable strategy, um, that know at least at a, at a reasonable level what they're doing, what will work and what won't work. And, and you get in there and you dig in and you pick up a hammer or a shovel and you go to work with everybody else. But if everybody sits at home by themselves, then they're absolutely right. There is nothing individually that any of us can do. Do you remember the story of Jesse Ventura when he got elected as an independent governor of I do. Michigan, was it, or Wisconsin? Um, Minnesota, I believe. Minnesota, yeah. And he was taken in the basement and surrounded by the people who were actually running the state government who said, you know, they've been watching him with great interest. And these are the things he'd be allowed to do and not allowed to do. That's right. And you're told how the sausage is made once you're in there, to, you know, in the sausage factory. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the bottom line is you, you will either play ball or you will sit on the, on the bench until your term is up. And then they'll run somebody against you and take you back out because you didn't accomplish anything during your term. Right. So, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the least of the issues. But these secret societies you mentioned before, if you were not already part of them, and that's how you became in a position of power, the minute you're in a position of power, they will come to you and bring you into their fold. Right. Well, they'll give you a choice, right? An offer you can't refuse or something like that. Oh, yeah. The latter part is more accurate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe the situation that it's evolved into now with the power? Um, well, right now is, you know, and again, I can only, I can't tell people what to, what to think. I can just tell you what I think. And what I think is that we're in the worst condition of 245 years right now. Yeah. Um, right. I think that uh, the society as a whole is in its worst condition, and that's why government is in its worst condition. Uh, I think our future at the moment looks very bleak, but I don't think it has to. Right. Um, and that's where I differ from, from a lot of people. I don't ever get to a point. I assume someday I'll kill over in this body and that'll be the end of that. But when I do, I'm sure I'll be right in the middle of fixing something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, and so, uh, and that's the way I want to go, by the way. Um, nothing scares me more than the word retirement. Yeah. I was um, going to ask you about that. You know, um, I, I, I have no desire whatsoever to ever retire. I want to be fixing something the whole time I'm here. I want to be useful. I want to um, be doing something that matters to the people that will be here when I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, all the way up to I draw my last breath. And if, if it's up to me, that's how it'll be. Right. And that's not selfless at all. That's to make your life the most interesting and satisfying it can be anyway. It is. Right. It is. I got a really low threshold of boredom, too. So yeah. that's part of it. <laughs> right. 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 I understand. So, you know. Even though we just have a little bit of time left, what I really wanted to get around to after setting the groundwork and the foundation of this whole thing like we've been doing is 
There was an election recently, you may have heard of it in America. They had this president thing and they got rid of the guy that got most of the votes and they put somebody else in. And it was amazing coordination, I thought, that, you know, thousands of different places where they were uh, counting votes, they had all this really strange stuff going on. It, it brings up the question uh, you know, how many decades has something like this been going on? And I know long before voting machines, there was a book called Vote Scam USA. You might have heard of it by the Collier brothers. And it was about uh, under guard taking secretly the paper ballots into a basement with guards with machine guns keeping the public out. And they would change all the ballots and then turn in the results. And it's just gotten more mechanized and more efficient now. And this is what happened. I mean, you could see it happen. Anybody that still has common sense, you could even what was on TV and what was in the uh, alternative media, you could see truckloads of extra ballots coming in in the middle of the night when it was too late to count them. And they were all counted and lots of ballots coming in that were filled out by machines, uh, not humans, and all kinds of obvious stuff. Plus the fact that when... Uh, Biden held rallies. I know there was a big one in Phoenix and nobody came. Uh, nobody except his staff. And when Trump was holding rallies, they would be overflowing with tens of thousands of people that couldn't get in. And so this was counted, you know, just blatantly. They basically reversed the results. So now uh, there are people in especially certain capitals of certain states that have been doing what they call a forensic audit. And it's been heavily resisted, but so far it looks like it could actually finish. Do you think that that's likely to to finish going through? Will the people in power allow it? And if it does, I haven't heard any good, really clear, sure explanations of what would happen afterwards if it turns out that the president, the vice president, a lot of senators and uh, Congress people and uh, state representatives actually didn't get elected, which is probably what's been going on for a while. But if it gets exposed now, I haven't heard anybody say they really know what would happen. I wanted to get your opinion on that. Well, I have one. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> um, first off, I'll say this. I think Arizona will definitely complete. They are 30 pallets finished with only 14 more to go. So they're going to finish. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, Georgia is opening the forensic audit and against their, again, they're targeted where, where we know most of the problems are. The fact is fraud probably took place in most of the counties across the districts across the country, but only yeah, yeah. the big metro centers is where the big swings are. Uh, and so that's why they're being right. targeted there. And of course, they're, they're, of course, they claim that's racist because, you know, you're targeting just this area Well, you're targeting area, not because of race, you're targeting because that's where the votes were. Yeah. And so um, and so, you know, whether it's Atlanta, Georgia or Maricopa County uh, in Arizona or whether it's Detroit and Michigan or Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania uh, or Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, we can go down the list or even the, that small district up in New Hampshire that already completed theirs right. and found all kinds of irregularities that would overturn the election. And um, 
So the the irregularities in the fraud and the um, that took place in 22 is real. Um, I think there's plenty of evidence out there to prove that it's real. The question is to what extent and how did they do it and who was involved and who's responsible for what was done. And there's no question it was done on a much more massive scale in 2020 than in any previous election cycle. And it but, wasn't just the machines either because they brought trucks no, to balance. No, it's not just the machines. The machines played a part. Yeah. Uh, truckloads of fake ballots played a part. Um, tons of illegal votes from illegal voters played a part. Right. Um, you know, they used every mechanism possible to flip the outcome of the election. That's the bottom line. Uh, everything they could, in, including in Pennsylvania's case and to some degree in others, um, they just flat out violated their own election laws in order to allow it to take place. Yeah. And so, you know, the mere fact that the state officials openly and intentionally violated their own election laws should invalidate that election in that state. That by itself, forget about all the that's you know, right. fake ballots and all that, but just the mere fact, and that's a known fact. That is an absolute known fact. And to some degree, until they're getting caught in all this at this point, they were proud that they did that. And so uh, it's on the record. It's, um, you know, I think to, to make a long story short here, uh, it will be proven in multiple states very soon, very soon, meaning over the next 30, 60 days, mm-hmm. uh, the election was absolutely stolen. Who stole it and how they stole it, how much theft and fraud went on the different mechanisms of fraud used to do it. I think that'll all be proven beyond any reasonable doubt within the next 30, 60 days in multiple states. Now, the biggest question is then what? Yeah, exactly. Then what happens? Well, yeah, because too many people have just been saying, well, then we'll sure be sure that it doesn't happen again in 2022 or something like that. Well, you can't. The fact is you can't. Okay. You've allowed it to stand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The minute, yeah. And, and our legal system does not work. I mentioned this early in our interview. Our legal system at the moment does not work on the basis of law. It works on the basis of whims driven by political agendas. Right. From top to bottom. So it doesn't matter. You know, they're, they're talking about, you know, Mark Levin. People have, you know, made that guy a millionaire buying his book about constitutional amendments but i got a few questions about mark's idea the first one is we clearly have a document nobody reads or pays attention to already so amending it at this point even if you could and even if you could do it the way you'd like to do it amending at this point is like writing your wish list on a roll of toilet paper and then flushing it down the toilet because nobody pays attention to the roll of toilet paper before or after you amend it. And so that's a ridiculous idea, but it's made Mark Levin millions of dollars and kept him on air and good for him. You know, I feel bad for the people that follow him without thinking that's all. And so that's one example. But when we come back to what can be done and I, again, I addressed this in the, in the conference call this morning because these questions all came up uh, in our meetings and some, you know, some people had heard from their lawyers that we would have to impeach. Impeachment's the only way that Biden can be removed from office now that he's been inaugurated. That is not true. Inauguration is the only way, constitutionally, to remove a duly elected occupant of the White House. But was Biden 
duly elected. If it's proven that he was not duly elected, then he's a squatter in that building. He has no right to be there, okay, in the first place. So, no, impeachment is not how you would remove him, in my opinion. Then then somebody else brought up, well, what about the line of secession in the Constitution? Well, once again, that is there for someone who was first duly elected and second, unable to serve. Okay. Right. I well, mean, those, those aren't even relevant ideas. Those aren't even relevant ideas. Then somebody brought up, well, what about the 12th Amendment and the 20th Amendment, which lets Congress pick the next president? And I said that, too, only applies when there's no duly elected president. In other words, in a case of a true tie. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's no way to determine in a legitimate election who won or who didn't. Then it goes to those mechanisms. But in this case, once it's proven that however many millions of ballots were flipped and however many millions of ballots were fraudulent, you will be able to know with certainty who the actual winner of the race was. And that's the person who has a right to sit in that building. And so that's the person who would have been duly elected. And therefore, all these things we just discussed would apply to that person. But it doesn't apply to someone who was not duly elected to begin with. Yeah. So, so that so that leaves us at the real rightful op- you know option of what to do about it, which is we've done this many times in history, just not in a presidential before. Okay, uh-huh. we've had lots of races over the years at the local level, at the county level, at the state level, where there was either um, faulty election results by error or fraudulent election results by intent. Mm-hmm. In those cases, once that has been determined after the election, even after the person has been seated in, in office, once it's determined that that was the improper outcome of a, of a legitimate election, that person is simply removed and the rightful winner is replacing them because we either do have or don't have legitimate election processes in this country where every legal vote counts and no illegal vote does. We either have that or we don't. And if we don't, then we don't have a republic. We don't have a constitution. We don't have a bill of rights. We don't even have a democracy or anything else. We don't have a country at that point. Right. And so, and that's the other thing people need to realize is that our country, our 50 states are united by those documents. Once a a participant in that document, in that compact or contract, violates the contract, breaches the contract, then the whole contract becomes null and void. And so, or the whole compact in this case, a compact is a combination between a contract and a political agreement that this is the understanding, this is what we expect. This is what you have to do and what you cannot do. And if that is breached and violated and you've been notified and you refuse to remedy that, then the whole contract is null and void. So um, the rightful thing to do here is simply continue the work, finish the forensic audits, prove what you can prove, get the count right, decertify the states that got it wrong, which Mm -hmm removes him from office, recertify the proper election numbers, and seat the proper duly elected president. It's that so, simple. So the question that that brings up that makes it a little bit less, well, two, two things. 
One is it's not just, I, I, my suspicion is that it's not just going to change the outcome for the president and vice president. There's going to be a lot of other offices that are found out to be incorrect. Absolutely true. Absolutely and, true. And the second thing is for the president and others that were not elected but were put in fraudulently, what if they've done all kinds of damage by passing laws and executive orders, which is the fad now? Well, if they're they're occupying that office unlawfully, then everything they do while they're in that office is also unlawful. So anything that bears the signature, the name of an unlawful occupant is null and void the minute the occupant is null and void. So that's That's going to be a big project to reverse all the damaging fraudulent measures that were passed. It it, it absolutely would. This would be much easier if we'd have prevented it from happening in the first place, which the American people had opportunities to do and didn't do it. And that leads me to where I'll leave the discussion probably for today. And that is this. I have been around too long and I've seen too much to expect anybody in power to ever do the right thing strictly on the basis that it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. That means the only way that people in power today are ever going to do the right thing is if it's the only thing they can do. Now, that's what makes the American people responsible for what happens next, because it's only them. It's not a lawyer. It's not a whiz bang constitutional TV star. It's not even President Trump who can force that to happen. Only the American people can force people in power to do the right thing, whether they want to do it or not. And that's where, where this is going to come down to. Well, and, and most of the people have been convinced that they're powerless. So, and they honestly feel that. They're just one out of, in the case of America, 330 or 40 million people. Sure. sure. And as uh, I mentioned earlier, if they think they can do this by themselves, they're right. They're completely powerless. They have no choice but to join other groups and organizations and work together with others in order to make this happen. And if they don't, then it can't happen and it won't happen. And the future is extraordinarily dim. So the, this comes down to a contest with those organizations because I think the darker powers would agree with you that that's the way to do it. And so they have a primary directive to infiltrate every organization that looks like it could do good. And have, I think you're right. And be effective. So, well, and, and, the, and the main thing they're after is to keep us divided because they know divided right. we fall. They know that. And we know it too, but we act like we don't. You know, we still allow ourselves to be divided over race, over religion, over uh, financial uh, position in the world, over, uh, right. you know, Democrat or Republican or independent. I mean, yeah. all, all that's happened is more and more and more and more division. And the more divided we are, the less we can succeed as a country. I think that's why a lot of the founders didn't really want to do parties. Well, they all said, you know, this is uh, parties are problematic, but they also also were involved in forming the two primary parties we still have today. So, yeah, they pointed out that parties can be problematic. So can homeowners associations. They'll yeah, be a pain in your rumps, you know, no matter true. which one you live under. Right. Anytime you get a group of people together, it's hard to get a consensus out of people on what ought to happen. And everybody thinks that they're making laws for for you, but not for themselves. Is and there anything just, that you... Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Is, is there anything that you could tell people who say, well, JB, that sounds correct, that we need to cooperate with others who are not corrupt 
and would be working toward the same ends of freedom and mutual respect and all this stuff. How in the world do we find people like that when most organizations, if you dig into them, it looks like they have corrupt leadership. So what do you do? Well, the Tea Party was corrupted within six months of when it started in 2009. So I get what you're saying. Okay. Uh, and, um, and so, and now probably less than 20% that were in it then are still around it. And most of the ones who left went back and sat down on the couch figuring there's nothing they can do. But there is something they can do. Now, you can take this or your listeners can take this any way they want. But I'm here to tell you, nobody is more serious about making sure the right thing happens in this country than North American Law Center is. So I would strongly recommend you get in touch with me through there or through my direct email and you get engaged. Okay. Anytime you think we're not doing the right thing, I expect you to speak up and tell us you think we're not doing the right thing. We will either explain adequately that we are and how and why we are, or we may decide you're right and we need to adjust what we're doing ourselves. Or if we can't agree, you're certainly free to walk back away. But what's different, there's two things different about North American Law Center and every other organization in the country that I'm aware of, and I'm aware of all of them pretty much. Okay. And that is, first and foremost, this is not a for-profit thing for us. We're all losing our rear ends doing what we're doing. And we're all under fire constantly, The one, those of us that are public. Most of the people involved with North American Law Center are private behind the scenes. We don't, nobody besides two people know who the members and the participants in North American Law Center is. The two of us who know are the two public figures of it, myself and Timothy Harrington, and a former Marine. And so, uh, who's worked on a lot of legal stuff over the years, too, starting out in military in his case. And okay. so, um, but there are many people involved with us and it encompasses people from all 50 states and, um, and it's all volunteer, all of us, none of us draw a paycheck where, you know, I can't, I'd hate to even tell you, I, I I'm so scared to, to, to know what the number is. I won't even add up how much money I've lost doing what I do. <laughs> and so over the years, but it's stuff that needs to get done and there's nobody else to do, to do it. But even we can only do so much with you know what we have to work with and so you know the, the that's one difference the second difference is that we don't go into a meeting and agree to disagree on anything we stay in the room until we agree what the right course of action is period everybody in the room and leadership here has an ego as most people who are successful in life do but we all check it at the door because we're all more interested in getting the right in- outcome than having than being right individually ourselves in that room. We stay in the room, and sometimes it's knockdown drag out, but we stay there till we agree on what the right course of action is. And the only other thing that's different about North American Law Center is we will work with other groups as best we can if they are legitimate groups and they're trying to accomplish the same end goals. We're not, we don't tell people, join us and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not afraid people will work with us and somebody else. We're not afraid of that. At all. But all these other organizations are like little fiefdoms. They're afraid that that their people will talk to some other group somewhere or work with somebody else on something somewhere. That's ridiculous. You know, we will work with any person or any group that is legitimately seeking freedom, liberty, and protection of our natural rights as endowed by our creator. That's our goal. That is all our goal is. There's a lot of things between here and there on how, you know, we get there. 
on things we have to do in order to do that, to accomplish that. But that's our goal. And uh, it's stated right on the top of the North American Auto Center website that that's who we are, that's what we do, that's what we're focused on. We do a lot of things to try to accomplish that in a lot of different arenas, and we have to. But fundamentally, that's who we are, and that's what we do. Anybody who uh, hears that message and it's speaking to them should get with us because as long as you sit at home by yourself, you're absolutely right. There's nothing you can do. So you're trying to maintain an organization with wisdom and character and morality, basically. And, yeah. and the purpose and anti infiltration so that you can't be corrupted. And, right. and you have to have an active idea of how to prevent that from happening because as you get more effective you'll be targeted more with that specific objective been targeted many Uh, times and the other thing is that what you're working for is freedom and the natural you know sustaining the natural rights of everybody and i think you know i'm i'm not going to keep you much longer because i know you know we're over time a little bit but it brings up Many questions, and we could do another episode, but one of the things to mention right now is that freedom, and I get into this discussion with libertarians and sometimes positive anarchist people, too, who just want to be left alone. Freedom has to have caveats and uh, conditions on it. For example, you're not allowed to do something that's going to blow up the world and while everybody else is trying to live their life you if you have a company that's doing something for example which a lot of the big corporations are that is destroying the natural world around you there there's got to be you know some conditions on on what's legitimate freedom right well fundamentally in my opinion um my freedom and liberty ends right where yours begins in other words, I have the freedom and liberty to do pretty much as I care, as long as it, whatever I'm doing does not infringe upon your individual freedom and liberty. And right. so, and, and by the way, the only way I can protect mine is to protect yours, too. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, I think people can comprehend that to a great degree when it comes down to, all right, I can't break into your house or steal your property or things like sure. that. But what if I want to start a company that corrupts the whole food supply? You know, genetic. Well, how is that different? How is that different? From I, don't what, from your, it, I don't think it's it is. Not, it's, it's, it's just not a, a lot of people who consider themselves Republican and right wing and conservative think, well, it's a private company. They just can do whatever they want. No, they can't. They're, you know, no, they can't. Um, they, they have just because they form a corporation. You know, and I talk about this some on occasion. Mm-hmm. Corporations are people. A corporation is a group of people. It's a group of uh, board members. It's a group of shareholders. It's a group of employees. Okay. It's people. A corporation is people. The only reason they're incorporated is it allows them to work together as a single unit in the, um, in the business realm. But right. that gives them no special rights to do anything to anybody that they don't have the right to do individually. Corporations shield individuals from liability usually, right? I mean, that's one of the it's reasons. Not the cor- it's not the corporations that do it. It's the lawyers that do it. It's the judges yeah, that do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
But I mean, the laws that they've written defining corporations say that, you know, you know, you if know they get in, caught, they just shut down and all the individuals go away. You know, most people, when you say lawyer attorney, they think, oh, well, those are pillars of our community. Those are those are great people right there. Really? They can know that you murdered somebody in cold blood and they will still go to court and try to get you off on it. Yeah, there's no absolute morality in that world. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So so and this is how corporations are operating for the most part. And they can justify it by saying that they want the highest shareholder return possible. And, and if if the crime is more profitable than the punishment, then it's considered legitimate business. You know? Well, whether it's politics or business, let's be honest. OK. If we have to have a dictatorship, then I want to be the dictator. Yeah, I've heard people who say they want anarchy as long as they're the anarchy. Okay. Exactly. Okay. If we have to, I'd rather not have any dictators, but if we have to have one, I want to be the dictator. Yeah. Okay. The only thing wrong with benevolent dictators is their kids take over. Exactly. And so, but I'd rather not have one at all, but if we have to, then I want to be the dictator. And Uh, that's what happens at the corporate level. And that's what happens uh, in life with individuals. And that's what happens with uh, politicians. Absolutely. Um, and lawyers, you know, the, what the lawyer, it, nobody is more responsible for destroying the Constitution in this country and Bill of Rights than the lawyer class is. They're most responsible for the destruction of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Well, I think so that when, most of the most of their jobs that they can get hired for where there's plenty of money to pay them come from entities that have made a huge amount of money by doing some not very nice uh, things. Uh, and that's absolutely true. And I will tell you flat out and your listeners flat out, if I had ever agreed to work for my opposition, for my adversaries, they yeah. would have quickly made me a multimillionaire. Oh, yeah. Quickly. At least. Right. But on the right, people expect me to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. So they don't pay me anything to do it. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And that's a problem because we're up against enormous financial resources, right. enormous number of enemies, both here and abroad. And, and, you know, if you can't afford to be in the fight until you finish the fight, then you're going to lose the fight. And that's so you need, one of the you need a way of raising money and resources that is ethical. That's right. That's right. And so the only way I know to do that is to ask people who agree with us to support what we're doing so we can keep doing it. Donations. Um, yeah. uh, yes. And I've, and I've had people come to me and said, well, you know, why don't you sell T-shirts or something? I said, what's a T-shirt got to do with anything? Right. Why, you know, so so now I'm going to take John and Sue that have been put out of work for the last 16 months over a totally bogus thing, COVID. Okay? Right, right. So it's about nothing other than control of the populations. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and by the way, it's going to turn out to be mass murder when this is all over. Yeah. And, gen- is, and right. genocide. Okay. Right. right. And so, um, but now I'm going to go to John and Sue and say, Hey, I know you've been out of work for 16 months, but, uh, if you'll buy this t-shirt for 25 bucks, that cost me $15 to make and send to you, it'll help what we're doing by $10. So they could just give you a donation of $10 instead and save, <laughs> exactly. save, save the 15 bucks to go buy some more Mac and cheese. That's right. 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 Yeah. I think that makes total sense actually. So, okay. um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to do it. 
and we won't take money from the government because there, there's every dollar has strings attached to it. Yeah. So, so you're looking for resources and money to enable you to put something effective together on the legal basis that can be effective not against just, corporations. Well it's, not, well, it's not just legal, but, but yes, it includes legal. Um, I mean, that, that's going to be uh, one of the main ones, right? Yeah. Well, that's where a lot of resources get burnt up, for sure. Okay. Legal, legal and educational, I would guess. Yes, yes that's right. And so uh, the bigger part, really, than the legal is the educational. If I could get, you know, 80% of Americans to understand what their rights are and where they come from, I don't need the money. We'll solve the problem together just by the education. Are you trying to but reach that- people on the free speech-based platforms now on social media? Yeah, free speech platforms. Exactly. I've been kicked off of all of them. I was locked out six months before the election. Well, I mean, the ones that claim they won't do that to you. Well, the ones that I know of at the moment, and I tried some of them when I got kicked off of Facebook and kicked off of Twitter and all that. Yeah. uh, Six months before the election for speaking the truth. You know, and I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. I'm not even upset. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus hung on a cross simply because he was telling the truth. So if they can do that to to him, (laughs) what's special about me? They can do it to me too, right? And so, go ahead. And so, uh, yeah, we reach out every way we can. Uh, We communicate with people in North American Law Center two, three, four times a week because that's how fast everything's moving right now. Okay. Um, We communicate directly with that group two, three, four times a week at least. And I realize people get tired of getting the mail and have to open it and read it and all that stuff. But it, but stuff is moving so quickly right now that if we don't tell you things as fast as we know it, we're going to know something, two more things we need that you need to know, you know, 10 minutes later. How do people so, get on that list to start getting your letters? Uh, they can go to the North American Law Center and you can get there either by NorthAmericanLawCenter.org or by TNALC.org. And uh, they just go in and, and uh, contact us and, and ask to be put on a list. Okay. And that and comes just that comes by email. Um, and then you know, there's a, the, there are different levels getting put on the list versus becoming part of the whole thing, right? How does that work? There's really three levels, in, in our opinion. Um, if somebody just wants to receive the information, they can do that. They don't have to donate anything. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that, that what we send to people who are not donors is different than what we send to donors. And the reason why is um, there's so much infiltration effort out there that if somebody doesn't have any skin in the game with us, we guard our strategies a little. Right. <laughs> Right. So the people who are actively engaged, either through their works or for, or through their donations, either way, in many cases, both, yeah, they get the best of information. If somebody wants to be on the mail list, when we're sending out general information, they'll get that. But when we're sending out anything that's strategic, um, they won't get that. Okay. So is it obvious on the site how to differentiate between those two levels? If you want to, well, there's no. I mean, there is no two levels. It's that we keep track of which people on the list are active um, active workers, which ones are active donors, and which ones are just trying to keep up with what we're doing. Okay. And what are, can you say anything about suggested levels of donation for people that, you know, are just getting by versus people that have more resources? 
are, you know, you can donate as little as $5 and as much as you want <laughs> or could afford. Um, and we don't tell people what to donate. And there's no special treatment. You know, somebody who donates $500 doesn't get anything more than the guy who donates five. Okay. We assume that the guy who donates five, that's what he can do. And the right. guy that right. donates 500, that's what he can do. Um, it's not a financial buy your way into the circle thing here. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, you know, it's um, help us do what we're doing and you'll have the, you know, all the information at your fingertips of you, how you can help us do it. Are you having some kind of live meetings between the people that are members ever? Um, because they're scattered all across the country, it's very difficult for us to do that. I mean, um, on, online, though. Um, we don't do that very often um, because, again, the, the mechanisms to do that very well can be pretty costly, okay. um, especially in a secure environment of any kind or even semi-secure. Right. So we don't do that kind of thing very often. Um, people mostly communicate back and forth by email. Um private emails or just direct phone calls or conference calls. So we, we do conference calls. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you about because yeah. you said you had the conference calls and then you talk about things to try to reach some kind of consensus on what you're going to do. And- we have a, we have a pretty secure, conf- you know, online uh, conference room. And if there's things that need to be discussed and decisions made, then we do that there. Okay. Okay. So do people that, join you get notified when there's going to be a conference call? Do they get to take part in that? They they absolutely do. And we have enough people that we can't put them all in one room. Um, So they get scheduled out. Okay. Um, You know, we'll do three or four of them so that everybody that wants to get in can get in. But you get too many in a room and too many people raising their hands and too many people and we can't accomplish anything. Right. So you put the people in charge in all of those calls, right? So they can get everybody's ideas. Yes, that's right. Okay, sounds really good. So lots to talk about. I mean, one of the teasers for next time, if they are successful in, you know, revealing what the real American election outcome was, then many people get replaced, including the president and vice president. That brings up two questions that could make a whole show next time. One is that there's a problem with the vice president that gets put back in in that case, although he was duly elected. And the other issue is that Trump made some really big errors, especially near the end. Handing the country over to a mass murderer might be one of them. And the question is, how can he be brought up to speed getting through the resistance that's formed around him to prevent it's very, that? very difficult. Uh, you and I have discussed this a little bit privately. Yeah. And we will save these topics for another time because it, it's very difficult and it's very complex. But people have to realize uh, a current or past president of the United States is probably the most isolated person on Earth. Um, yeah. And that's unfortunate. It's necessary to some degree, but it's also very unfortunate. And that makes it 10 times more critical that someone like Trump, you know, surround himself with, uh, you know, the right people. And he did not do a very good job of that uh, in his first administration. (laughs) That's a very polite way to say it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's (laughs) as polite as I can say it. Uh, Right. He he was uh, quite, quite often surrounded by the worst people. 
Right, right. So that's a challenge for that we can talk about next time. Yes, sir. Um, but it sounds like anybody who's interested in supportive environment and a group that has the same idea of bringing back the values that the country was supposed to be started on, no matter what country they live in, would be good to get in touch with you, right? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that because, and we do have people that we deal with overseas. As a matter of fact, I I don't sleep much because <laughs> I essentially <laughs> work in all time zones around the world um, yeah. because of what we do. Uh, but the um, the fact is, people come to this country from all over the world for a reason. Right. Name any other country in the world where everybody's trying to go to from the rest of the world and you can't uh, to not, the degree no, that, that, not, that people not, come here not, not, not even once one. no and there's a reason why that is and but here's what that means in the end if America itself falls and is no longer free and no longer prosperous able to feed itself much less any other country yeah then the whole world is going to fall with it because we prop up six eighths three quarters of the world financially food militarily so even though you know and people in other parts of the world they know this by the way people from other parts of the world they know this they cannot for the life of them to figure out what in the world is wrong with americans yeah they would allow this to happen because they know not only does it affect american americans but it's going to affect them in the end too. Yeah, exactly. That's the crime and, of the of the lockdowns that have been starving millions and millions of people already. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, and by the way, just because I don't like people breaking and entering into my house at will, doesn't mean that I'm mean spirited or don't have any heart for people that are in need. Doesn't mean that at all. You can come and ask; I'll probably give you the shirt off my back. You know, yeah. but, but it's going to be your child. Yeah, right. but don't break into my house illegally in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. And then tell me what we're going to have for dinner. Yeah, it's the same issue where people say, well, it's just uh, compassionate to not have borders on your country. Yeah, no. If if nobody has borders, we don't have countries. It's that simple. Yeah, exactly. No border means no country. That's what well, it means. I would invite everybody to get in touch with you, and I'll talk about that in the wrap-up, too, when we're done here. But tnalc.org. And um, these are time-sensitive issues that you're working on. And it's going to be, I think, a lot easier to start doing something with them earlier than waiting. So people should get... You know, uh, problems are not like wine. They don't get better with time. Right. And the longer the people wait to try to do something, the less they're going to be able to do anything. If they yeah. wait until they have no resources, if they wait until they do take their weapons away, if they wait and just keep waiting and waiting and waiting for, and most of the people that are waiting, they're waiting for someone else to do something. Well, you are the someone else who's supposed to do something. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's what you're supposed to do is unique to you. It depends on your abilities and situation, but there's something there. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Everybody can do something. If, and if they did, then nobody has to do everything. Yeah. And, exactly. so, and so 
you know, and I talk about this all the time, 80% of personnel in the military are in supporting roles. Only about 20% are actually combat forward troops. Right. And so, um, but every person is important uh, because without the 80% that are in supporting roles, the 20% couldn't do their job. No, they'd run out of food in the first few hours. Sure, sure. Exactly right. The yeah. truck won't run. The gas won't flow. The ammo runs out. They yeah. have nothing to eat, nothing to drink, and it's yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, okay, well, we'll leave people with the teaser of next time we talk about what to do to fix the situation with the president and people in Congress that are all controlled by partly what they don't know and partly people dictating to them. And yes. I'm sure there's things we can do about both of those issues. There's a solution for every problem on earth. We just okay. got to find it. That's right. And have the intent to do that. Yep. So pretty neat. Well, thank you, JB. And look forward to talking to you again. And hang on. I will say goodbye in the break here. Always a pleasure. Okay, you guys, I hope you found that as interesting as I did. That was JB Williams from North, the North American Law Center. And he's also got the same site reachable by tnalc.org contact form there for questions or any comments about what they're doing. I'd like to know more about it myself. This is the first time that I really started to hear some details about their projects. And uh, he's looking for donations, obviously, and it sounds like a very good group to support. I, everything I know about it so far says that they deserve uh, generous donations, and I'll probably join you in that. I don't have much money to do for it, but something. And um, he's also inviting people to be part of it, even if you don't donate anything or don't have money or don't want to send a donation. He says, get on the, uh, fill out the contact form, get on the mailing list, and hear about the other projects that they're doing. Uh, I just got a really good feeling from it. From I've talked to JB offline, uh, not offline, but off air uh, for a couple of hours now and a great person as far as I can tell. His articles are excellent. Uh, you could probably look them up in a search engine like DuckDuckGo or, or StartPage or somewhere like that. And um, good person, good organization, his idea of avoiding infiltration and keeping it strictly ethical is admirable and, and deserves support, it seems to me. So please uh, go take a look at it, tnalc.org or the North American Law Center.org, J.B. Williams. And um, he'll be back because we got a lot more to talk about. And this has been our Sunday show. And remember, we have a show on Saturday. Uh, new listeners might not know that. Saturday, we have a show called uh, Lost Arts Radio Live, which is about current events directly. And uh, that's at 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern time, U.S. time on Saturdays. And then there's a half-hour break after that show. And then we have a meeting of the Planetary Healing Club, which is for people that really want to get more deeply involved in this stuff, not necessarily with any other organizations, but to work on upgrading themselves, physical health, things that you're not supposed to talk about that I spent decades putting together and consciousness issues which change your whole perception and ability to contribute to things in the world. Interesting stuff like that, but it demands 
not working for us or anything, but working for yourself and looking at your habits, looking at your thought and emotional patterns, um, what you're doing to take care of yourself physically and all that, just to get you back as close as possible to normal condition. And that's my thought because I think you're the hope of changing the world around personally. And I do mean that for you specifically. And we're trying to support that in Planetary Healing Club. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can access it at planetaryhealingclub.com. If you have questions about it, just write. There's a contact form on uh, lostartsradio.com. And if you want to keep us on the air, support our work and help us get funding to do the projects we have waiting, that's donate button at lostartsradio.com and at subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. That's always deeply appreciated. And also any suggestions or comments or questions about the shows themselves, um, anything like that, feel free to write on the contact form. And the main request in all that is take care of yourself. And I think it's the best contribution you can do to your family and yourself and your community and the world. And it needs you. Most people think they have to go out and fight for some external cause without working on themselves and they don't get what they could out of it that way. The outcome really depends on how together you've got yourself, how strong you become and how integrated your own consciousness is. And we've gotten so far from that. Most people don't even know what that means. It's not a new religion. It's not a new age belief system or anything like that. It's actual real work on yourself. That appeals to you. uh, Check out planetaryhealingclub.com. Because we have work to do and an unknown but probably narrowing window of time to get it done in. And I'd like to see that happen. So thanks for giving us the time. I really enjoyed being with you tonight. And uh, have a good week and we'll see you here next time. Thank you. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific 
on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash lostartsradio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. If you need someone to talk to, hey baby, won't you talk to me? If you need someone to listen, you know you can always count on me. I can keep a secret, you can tell me what you want Whisper what you're thinking, I'm never gonna talk Cause I know that loose lips, they sink ships And I wanna stay afloat Nothing to fix, if nothing is ever broken Someone to lean on Hey baby, you can lean on me If you ever need to cry some You know that you're always safe with me You don't have to want me I'm never gonna judge You can be yourself here There's nothing here but love Loose lips, they sink ships And I wanna stay afloat 
Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da